You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to a special edition, a Hall of Fame edition of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths. Thanks for listening. And this weekend, Peyton Manning and Edron James will join the best to ever play professional football enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton this weekend. Such Colts greats as Tony Dungy and Marvin Harrison, Syracuse's own Marvin Harrison, will be waiting to greet them. And plenty more Colts have a chance to get in after them. Guys like a Robert Mathis, a Dwight Freeney, who are still to come down the road perhaps in this golden era of Colts football that NFL fans in central Indiana saw in the early 2000s. Undoubtedly, the man who led the charge was the man whose statue currently sits outside Lucas Oil Stadium. Peyton Manning recently spoke with the media about his Hall of Fame career and five MVPs throughout his tenure in the NFL. He ranks third all-time in passing yards, third all-time in passing touchdowns, and he won two of his two Super Bowl, one of his two Super Bowls, rather, right here in Indianapolis with the Colts. Here is Peyton Manning, Colts great, about being enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hey, Arnie, how you doing, pal? Good, Peyton, how you doing? Good. Good. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you, I know during your career, you were not one to look back and, and kind of go down memory lane, but as you're approaching the induction uh, and this kind of capstone to your incredible career, have you had a chance to kind of look back a little bit and maybe see the, the points along your journey that were really integral uh, to, to your success, maybe, you know, certain coaches or teammates, uh, anything like that? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think certainly I would think about more the people at certain points along the way that have just had a big impact on me. Um, <laughs> uh, um, you know, coaches, Arnie, you mentioned have had a tremendous impact on me. You know, my dad never coached me growing up, but was kind of my mentor. And uh, his rule was I had to ask him for help uh, for football. He was glad to do it as long as I was kind of initiating it. And then uh, sent me to Tennessee. Got him, David Cutcliffe, just had a big impact on me, uh, teaching me so much about the quarterback position, getting me prepared. Uh, for the NFL and then so many coaches in Indianapolis and Denver. So that's kind of what I've thought about. You know, you think about your first year getting drafted, what, what an exciting time it is. And, uh, you know, my rookie year was a struggle, but the things that I learned as a rookie had a big impact on me going forward uh, in Indianapolis. And then, you know, obviously with my injury in 2011, uh, that was kind of a that was a, that was a pivotal time, you know, just kind of what my next step was going to be. And Denver, you know, took a chance on me. I'll never, I'll never forget it because it was, a, it was a, there, there was a dicey time there where nobody quite sure, including me, uh, I knew what was going to happen and uh, ended up being a great place to go. Hey, thanks. Good seeing you at the all-star game last night too. Thanks pal. Good to see you buddy. All right. Ben, Ben Swenson and then Mike Chappelle. Hey Peyton, um, I was just wondering how the the speech writing process is going. Do you watch previous speeches, and do you kind of look to see maybe what other people have done, or are you just doing it all on your own? I've been to the um, 
to the ceremony, I want to say three times now, uh, uh, you know, for Bill Polian, Tony Dungy, Marvin Harrison, um, Pat Bowen, Champ Bailey. So um, I've been to it. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously a, a great point of emphasis this year on the length of the speeches. And I hear there's been a great point of emphasis in years past. I don't think it's just uh, been stressed very well. So uh, they're, they're, they're saying there's uh, like a blinking light at six minutes, uh, maybe a little uh, bell going off at seven minutes. And then at eight minutes, they say that someone's going to come up and lead the applause uh, to uh, kind of end the speech. I look forward to seeing when they come up and lead the applause while Alan Fanica is still speaking and to see, good luck getting him off the stage uh, or uh, anybody that's um, an offensive lineman, it's probably tough to pull, but uh, it, it is a limited amount of time. It's between six and eight minutes. And uh, the other inductees and I have kind of texted to each other about everybody trying to honor that to be respectful of the person behind you and uh, wanting everybody to have the, the fair amount of time and not, not take up time. So um, I'm right there at seven minutes and 50 seconds uh, as we speak. Uh, unfortunately, it's just not enough time to thank um, everybody. Uh, the, the good thing is, is for the past five years, either on a handwritten note or a, a phone call or in person, I've had a chance to thank the people personally. And so uh, it's, uh, even though I won't get to repeat them all uh, uh, in the speech, uh, there's certainly, the thank yous are as heartfelt now as they were then. So um, um, I, I will be on time and, uh, and you know, hopefully uh, be able to share how appreciative I am of the, uh, of the honor and uh, share how thankful I am for all the different people that have been a part of my football journey. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Mike Chappelle and then Bo Marchianti. Hey, Peyton, how you doing? Hey, Mike. The uh, selecting Arch to, to, to present you is was obviously a no-brainer, but just could you elaborate on, on why and I, I guess what he's meant to you and that's, which is why you Sure. Yeah, like I said, Mike, he never was my coach uh, by any means, but uh, he certainly had the greatest uh, impact on my football life uh, other than anybody. You know, growing up around the game, I was eight years old when he retired. Uh, he'd bring Cooper and I to Saturday morning practices. Uh, we got to go down there on the football field um, at the Superdome after games. So definitely grew up around football. My dad was always making a point to include us, to, you know, let us come to practice, took us to Hawaii for the Pro Bowl. That was important to him. And look, I had no idea I was going to end up having the same same career, but uh, it definitely had a big impact. And then when I started getting serious about playing high school football, uh, I meant what I said. Uh, I had to ask him to come help us. Uh, but when I asked him, he was glad to do it. And He'd come over and kind of help organize workouts over at the high school with me and my wide receivers. And my dad always took a lot of credit. He thought he, um, I think during Cooper's high school career and my high school career, my dad felt like he mentored five all state receivers at Newman school. Right. Uh, uh, he took pride in that because he knew how to coach the receivers 
uh, on what a quarterback wanted. So, um, uh, like I said, never, never was my coach, but always was my, my mentor. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I can only think of about two or three games that he's missed, uh, since I was in high school or college and, and, uh, in the NFL, obviously didn't go to all the road games, but watched every one of them, bit his fingernails the entire time. My mom said, uh, not a very calm fan, uh, according to my mom. So, um, just did, yeah, your words are exactly right. It, it, just, just a no brainer as far as picking him to, uh, to, to present me and just, just couldn't have a more appropriate person to do that. Thanks, Peyton. Thanks, Mike. Bo, you're next. Uh, on deck is Olivia Ray. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Uh, congratulations. Um, I'm sure you heard John Madden joke around that, uh, you know, the bus talk once they're inside the hall and you guys are all enshrined. Um, once your bust is in there, Peyton, who do you think you're going to gravitate to and start, you know, talking it up and, and wanting to meet when those bus kind of get together? For yeah, uh, uh, that's true uh, about the bus uh, whispering. I've heard it. Me, me and my son, Marshall, got a little tour of the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and Marshall <laughs> kind of leaned in there and said he heard Vince Lombardi talking uh, a little bit. So Madden was right. Uh, I'm going to kind of allude to it in my, in my speech, and so I'll, I'll, I'll probably make you wait a couple of weeks to hear it. But I think they do more than just talk. Uh, at night, I think maybe they, maybe they, maybe they play some games in there. Maybe do a little one-on-one, a little seven-on-seven. Seven. And so I, uh, I've had a couple of dreams about uh, being in there and being in one of these scrimmages uh, against some of these Hall of Famers. And uh, you know, it's just a dream uh, right now. You know, obviously August uh, in August it'll be a reality. So you know, because of my dad, I have always had great appreciation and, and knowledge of the history of the game, just because I used to hear him talk about players that he was playing against and uh, players that he grew up watching. And so I always understood that. And then when I got to Indianapolis, you know, even though we were in Indianapolis and, and none of those guys played in that city, but I mean, there were pictures of Johnny Unitas and Raymond Berry and Gino Marchetti in our building, saw them every day. And so um, I, I always thought it was important. I think it's important for all players to understand the history of the game, the players that came before us. And I don't know, I, uh, I think it's pretty cool to say you're on the same team as Johnny Unitas and Sammy Ball. I think that's just pretty cool. Thank you, Peyton. Olivia Ray, and then next would be Mark Cleese. Hi, Peyton. I know a lot of kids at St. Vincent are going to be celebrating in August along with you. Um, I've been speaking with them and, and I wanted to know where your work with the Children's Hospital ranks among your many achievements here and why it's remained so important in your life here. Well, thanks for asking. No, it's certainly uh, it's a team that I'm very proud to, to be a member of and maybe the greatest form of teamwork I've ever witnessed, you know, watching these doctors and nurses and support staff work together to help these kids get healthy, to help their parents and family feel more at ease. And uh, just been proud to have been associated with this team for, for so many years and, and still today. So, um, you know, I had great mentors. My, my dad was always a great community servant. Tony Dungy was always telling us on Tuesday on your off day, 
go out and do something to make Indianapolis a better place to live. Don't just be over here watching film all day. And, and so for me, it, you know, being a part of the Children's Hospital there it was a great way to serve and um, uh, spent a lot of time over there visiting kids and families. And uh, uh, always, you know, it's a reminder that there's a lot of people going through tough times right now. They need our prayers and need our support. So uh, very proud of the association. And I think the nice thing about going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame is you go in and you take a lot of people with you. You take a lot of teams with you. You don't go in by yourself. And so, you know, for me, you know, taking Louisiana and Indiana and Tennessee and Colorado, all those people with me, uh, uh, that's important to me. You're going to get that Hall of Fame ring later on this year. You're going to put on that jacket for the first time in a few weeks. Have you thought about that moment where you put the jacket on and what that might feel like and what that's going to mean to you? Yeah, I went to that ceremony uh, two years ago for, for Champ Bailey and the Bowling family. It's funny, I was sitting with Steve Atwater in kind of the upper deck. You know, all the families were down there on the floor and, and Steve and his wife, I had my son Marshall with me. We were sitting there uh, just, just kind of watching it. And uh, and now he and I are going in on the same weekend. So uh, kind of funny, but I can tell that was a special night. I could see the looks on uh, on the faces of, of Champ Bailey, you know, putting that jacket on and you truly are becoming a member of a new team. And I think that's the great thing about football. You played on so many different teams and I, I don't know, that's what I loved about it, right? It, it wasn't an individual sport, it was a team sport. And so you're certainly joining a new team and, and it seemed like there was a great fraternity, fraternity there amongst the previous inductees. They, they, they obviously have a bond there They've all played against each other. They see each other every year back in Canton. So um, I, I, it's hard to tell you right now how, how I'm going to feel, but uh, it, just in having witnessed it a couple of years ago, I can tell it's a special night. It's a special, special feeling. And, uh, you know, the fact that my you know dad will be there to uh, kind of present me there on stage. And I don't know if he gives me the jacket. I'm not sure how that works, but, you know, having him, as a part of this riding in the parade with me, that's, uh, that's very special to me as well. I'm curious. Cause you mentioned, you know, getting to sit down with Joe Namath and talking to Raymond Barry, you're such a fan of football. How are you going to balance seeing all these greats? And I'm sure you're invited to every hall of famers party and you love all these guys so much and still make the weekend about you and enjoy everything. I mean, do you almost liken it to how your wedding is where you know you can only spend a few seconds with every guest because so many friends and teammates are going to be there for you. How, how do you balance it all? Well, you know, you know, certainly it's it's a it's a long weekend, you know, going in Thursday for the game and then the Friday night ceremony, you know, Saturday night. Uh, um, I will be very uh, engaged in the ceremony because I have an old teammate, Edgerin James, who's getting inducted on Saturday night. And uh, going to his party on Saturday night because one of my favorite teammates of all time. And, and so uh, there's probably something about pacing yourself throughout the weekend. But uh, you know, the majority of my friends are probably not coming in till, till Sunday uh, for the actual ceremony and, and, then, and then a Sunday night, uh, you know, post uh, enshrinement uh, party. But look, it's hard to get together much anymore with with you know, old teammates, because everybody's so spread out. Everybody's got kids, different things going on. So whether it's a, 
a five minute visit or a three hour visit. Uh, it's just a special bond that you have with your teammates, uh, coaches, uh, support staffs, uh, uh, high school teammates, your family. Uh, it's not like you're going to be together again the following weekend, right? So I think you want to take a time to kind of slow that down, kind of capture that moment, not be in a hurry to kind of get through the night to kind of take time with each person. I'm sure there'll be a lot of pictures taken. So I look forward to that because, um, because after, you know, when you're playing, you're with those guys every day, you see them every day. When you stop playing, now it's a text here or there, it's a phone call. Uh, so I'm looking forward to catching up with a lot of old teammates uh, in Canton. Thanks, Peyton. If, had you not played in Denver, I think all of us agree you would have been a Hall of Famer. But when you look back on it now, what, how does that all kind of fit together in your mind when you look at, they took the chance on you, obviously, because of the neck injury, but now you live here. You, for so many of you feel like you're a Broncos Hall of Famer, even though you spent the bulk of your career with the Colts. Can you just kind of explain how this piece all fit together in your career and how you ended up living here? Yeah, I mean, look, it's just your classic case of don't don't ever assume anything, and uh, it's hard to kind of predict things too far in advance. And you know, I certainly uh, wanted to to play for the Indianapolis Colts my entire career because they were the team that drafted me. I think every player should have that goal. It doesn't happen very much anymore, but I was I was fascinated by John Elway being only a Bronco, Dan Marino being only a Dolphin, Aikman, Cowboys. You know, my dad drafted by New Orleans, majority of his career lived in New Orleans. So that was my plan all along. And then just just things changed, things happened. I, I had an injury that just couldn't quite uh, get it get it right, uh, caused me to have several surgeries and had to miss an entire season, which uh, I can still remember I was in a hospital bed in uh, California watching the Colts play the Texans on opening day. Kerry Collins is starting at quarterback for the Colts. And uh, I just remember it was just me and Ashley in there, just how emotional I was watching that, that I couldn't be out there with my teammates and then had to miss that entire season. That was really tough, Mike. It was a low time. Um, Ashley and I had kids, you know, earlier that spring. Thank goodness. That was a a blessing in disguise during a tough time. But, um, you know, as, I, as we kind of got later in the season, realizing the Colts were going to certainly have a high pick, I, I kind of began to be, become aware that it might be, might not be in the cards for me to still be in Indianapolis. They might be looking in a different direction, and that's what they did. And uh, Denver just, boy, they just welcomed me with open arms, Troy. Um, they, they were the only really team that was – that understood, I think, what I was going through emotionally, physically. And I think a lot of that is, is Elway. That Elway, you know, I think, you know, flirted with going to other teams, maybe, at, at, you know, rumors or whatnot. I think he knew what probably how that could have affected him. He certainly knew injuries. And they were the only team, Troy, that said, hey, Peyton, give us your Indianapolis Colts playbook. We will form this hybrid offense with the plays that we like here in Denver that we think will help you at this point in your career. We'll form this mesh of an offense and really give you a chance to, 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 you know, get back going again. And not every other team was doing that. So I'll always be indebted to Denver for Fox, Elway, McCoy, Gase for uh, just kind of helping me in that transition. And, 
just had a wonderful four years playing there. Um, moving's a pain, Troy. Uh, that was a major ordeal to move a long time ago. Um, I have a great relationship with Indianapolis and still very involved there in the community, just like I am in Knoxville and New Orleans. But you can only live in one place, and, and, and Denver has just been a great place to live. Really enjoyed being a part of the community and uh, really couldn't have made a better decision to go out there and play uh, back in 2012. Mary Kay Cabot, one of our Hall of Fame selectors, and then next will be John Wilkerson. Uh, well, first of all, congratulations, Peyton. Just uh, really so honored uh, to be able to be part of helping to vote you in uh, and really, really excited about this for you. Thank you, Mary Kay. Uh, so I'm just wondering, you know, in, in looking at the state of NFL quarterbacking today, uh, what thoughts are going through your mind? Obviously, uh, Tom is still hanging in there, and I'm sure you can't even believe that he's playing at the level that he is right now. But when you look at the Patrick Mahomes and you look at the, you know, the Justin Herberts and the Josh Allens, Lamar Jacksons, and, and all of these guys, uh, Baker Mayfields, what do you think of the state of quarterbacking in the NFL right now and as it's going forward in the near future? I think the quarterback position is in great shape. And just those names you mentioned, Mary Kay, what I like about it, and I think it'll be true you know, uh, for just a long, long time, is that there's different ways to do it. There, there's different ways to play the position. And I, I remember for years, kind of, it seems like my ninth, 10th, 11th years, there was this rumor that the drop back quarterback was about to become extinct. There wasn't a place. Uh, anymore it was only the mobile quarterback and I kept saying I'm gonna have to go find a job because there's no way I, I can adjust to becoming a mobile quarterback uh, Eli's gonna be out of a job Brady's gonna be out of a job and, and that just wasn't true that there's a place to play a different style at a different place and the coaches the smart coaches are the ones that are figuring it out they are adjusting their offenses to the quarterback's capabilities right they're not making a quarterback run if he can't run they're not making a quarterback stand in the pocket if that's not where he's at his best and that's what I like about it so when you turn a game on when I watch a game I love watching Mahomes run around and make his throws uh, I love watching Brady stay in the pocket I like watching Herbert stay in the pocket I love Russell Wilson moving all around and making these incredible throws I mean it, it's just it, to me that's what's unique about the position that there are different ways to do it and I think that'll always be the case. So I think it's in good shape. Um, we're down here in New Orleans, right as we speak, we have our football camp uh, this weekend that we've had for 25 years and uh, going to be around, you know, 1,100 high school, quarter, uh, 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 high school quarterbacks and receivers, 40 starting college quarterbacks. And so I still love being around, uh, you know, young uh, football players, especially quarterbacks. That's, that's something that's special to me. Great. Thanks a lot, Peyton. Thank you. John Wilkerson, and then Rick Russo. Peyton, congratulations. Very deserving of the honor. Can't wait to see you in Canton. Uh, just wanted to know, what does it mean to you to be the third Tennessee volunteer and to be joining that that roster that includes now Doug Adkins, Reggie White, and you? Yeah, no, very honored, John, to, uh, to, to join Reggie and Doug Adkins as uh, University of Tennessee's uh, Pro Football Hall of Famers. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, think, uh, uh, certainly no, I won't be the last. There's a, there's a tight end that played for the Cowboys that I think will be, uh, packing his bags for Canton in a few years. And, uh, just, just very proud of it. Uh, it, it's just been, 
such an important uh, part of my football journey. You know, I've said this before, but every game I'd read the pregame program front to back and always just kind of check to be sure they had my information correct. It always said quarterback 18, Peyton Manning, hometown, New Orleans, Louisiana, College, University of Tennessee. When they used to introduce you before the game, the announcer always said, from the University of Tennessee quarterback. So I felt like I was always carrying Tennessee with me and was always reminded that that's where I came from and uh, that that was important to me and always was a real bond, John, playing against Al Wilson or Peerless Price, Leonard Little, guys that I played with, um, uh, Jason Witten, just a bond there in the University of Tennessee playing against these guys in the NFL. And uh, it's uh, I certainly am, am taking the University of Tennessee and Knoxville and the state of Tennessee into the Hall of Fame with me because they've been such an important part of my football uh, life. Uh, have have my college buddies, uh, Coach Cutcliffe, Coach Fulmer, uh, Jim Haslam, um, uh, all will be in Canton uh, to to uh, to celebrate with me. And uh, Trey Teague, my old roommate, uh, um, you know that, that's that's very special and important to me as well. Yeah, I figure Carmen will be along for the ride as well. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Carmen has is, is never has never missed a, a party with free booze and uh, and food, so I, I can promise you that. But 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 going back to join Reggie and, and Doug Atkins, uh, you know, obviously that um, they are they are, I mean, they're legends, right? And uh, I had a chance to spend time with Doug Atkins my senior year. Uh, I, I interviewed him for a school project. Uh, had to do a lot of editing on some of the language, but I really enjoyed the day and. You know, Reggie, I didn't get to know as well because we just lost him way too soon. But uh, what a great ambassador for Tennessee and so many things. And so really honored to join uh, to join that group. Hey, Peyton, congratulations. Rick Russo here in Knoxville. Um, going back to that day at the stadium, Peyton, when your former coaches came out to surprise you with the news that you were yeah. going into the Hall of Fame. What did that mean to you, especially having Coach Cut and Philip there as well? and what those two guys specifically meant to you back here at the University of Tennessee. Yeah, that was a special day. You know, in many ways, uh, you know, there's so many negative things about the pandemic, but the fact that they weren't allowed to, to do the hotel knock on the door and uh, they had to sort of give you the news in a different way and actually kind of organize that where these coaches would come out to me to uh, kind of let me know the news and, you know, the fact that Cutcliffe, Fulmer, Tony Dungy, Jim Caldwell, Kubiak all took the time to be there, meant a lot. But, yeah, I mean, really right there in front of me was, you know, 30 years of coaching just flashed before my eyes and had a high school uh, – uh, had a video from my high school coach on there and my couple of other coaches. So uh, that was special. We had a great short visit after. Everybody was getting back home right after that. But Coach Cut and Coach Fulmer and I had a great visit. Uh, Look, that's where it all started for me uh, in Knoxville. Uh, both those guys recruited me to uh, uh, come to Tennessee, and everything they told me was going to happen happened. Uh, they coached, they coached me hard, and most importantly, uh, they've been great friends of mine ever since 1994. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. Thanks, man. Congratulations again. Thank you. That was Colts legend Peyton Manning on his soon-to-be enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now let's go to the man who should be enshrined already, but 
had to wait one year due to the COVID-19 pandemic postponing the celebrations. It's a celebration that Edger and James already had to wait for longer than he wanted to. Made no bones about the fact that he thought he was a Hall of Famer. And our own Mike Chappell, who's the presenter uh, in front of the Hall of Fame committee and one of the voters to the Hall of Fame, uh, had said over the years that he thought he was a Hall of Famer, told Edgerin he thought he would make it eventually. It was just hard to wait. Well, that wait finally for Edgerin James will be over this weekend. The man who holds nearly every Indianapolis Colts rushing record and ranks 13th all-time in NFL history with over 12,000 rushing yards, a number that certainly would have been more if not for several injuries throughout his career, which probably led some people to not vote for him in the first couple times, those injuries, that those numbers not quite as sky-high as some other running backs have been in the past. Also the questions of, well, how much did Peyton Manning really influence him? How, how much of a benefit was it to be in that offense? Well, Edron was good enough to overcome all of that. If you were an Indianapolis Colts fan, you knew that already and just took a little while for, uh, for the voters in the Hall of Fame to really come to that realization themselves and put Edron James in his rightful place among the best running backs to ever play the game. So here is Edron James set to be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Edge, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Good. Hey, when you sit back and look and look at the career, what are you most proud of, and what got you to this point? I just, I just think the the overall body of work. You know, the overall body of work when you when you look at when you look at what you did from the start to finish, and and one of the most one of the most proudest part is is after the injury. You know, the ability to come back and be successful after having a an injury that was known to shut down a lot of running backs' career, and to continue going and continue playing at a high level. So that was that was one thing that really stood out. Thanks, buddy. Next question, Elise Robinson. Hi, Edge. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. Um, first off, congratulations on being inducted. And my question is. How does it feel to be the fourth um, Indianapolis Colts running back to be inducted into this Hall of Fame? I mean, just getting into the Hall, you know, it's um, it doesn't matter if you're first, second, third, or fourth. You know, it's just it's one of those things that that you always set out to do. You hope you hope you can do it. You know, it's it's not easy, and to be able to actually accomplish it, you know, it means a lot. Thank you. Next question, Brian Diardo. It's Brian Diardo with CBS Sports. Uh, Edrin, congratulations. I want to take you back to one of your last games at Miami. You guys faced UCLA. I'm sure you remember that when you ran for about a 299. You guys upset them. They were ranked number one in the country. What do you remember about that game? And, and would you say that that game may have propelled your status in terms of getting selected high uh, in the 99 draft? Actually, the top running back selected in that draft. The UCLA game. You know, there's so many factors that came that, that went into that game where we had players that actually wasn't able to play, which gave me the opportunity to finally, you know, carry the ball. Because at the University of Miami, we really didn't carry the ball that many times individually. We had to share a backfield. And also, we, we had just come from um, losing against Syracuse the, the week before. So a lot of people just kind of wrote us off. So we really had nothing to lose. And the fact that we was playing against the number one team in the nation. It just gave us an opportunity to kind of, you know, put put the U on display to show us to show to show that we weren't that team that people thought 
we were that just had got blown out the week before. And for myself, it was an opportunity to finally get a chance to carry the ball the way that I knew I could carry the ball. Thanks, Brian. Zach Kiefer? Adrian, um, there's a million people you could have picked to present you at the Hall of Fame. Why'd you pick Jim Irsay? Jim Irsay, my man, man. You know, it's like Irsay, you know, he's always taking good care of me. Irsay has always been, like, super cool, you know, from, from day one. And even though I... Um, even though I went to Arizona, the relationship remained the same. He's an um, important person to myself. And, you know, the, the relationship we built over the years, you know, I have so much respect for Mr. Ursay and the organization. I think that I thought it would only be right. Uh, thank you, Zach. Christopher Heidel. Hi, Edgar. Thank you for so much for taking my question. Um, I'm a big college football fan, and I covered the ACC. How? How? Um, I know you guys played a lot of games against Florida State in your in your time. You know, what was it like playing in that rivalry? Because I know I've been talking to some former Canes, former Seminoles, and they said that that, that was like the best uh, years of uh, that rivalry. Well, you know that that game is always it's, it's like playing against your brother, playing against your cousin. You know, because everybody kind of know each other, so it's. It's bigger than football. So it's one of those games to where, you know, a lot of pride is on the line and, you know, they know you, you know them, and everybody grew up with the same background, the same similar surroundings. So it's one of those things that you always look forward to and you enjoy it and embrace. Thanks, Christopher. Sean Barry. Hey, Edge. Uh, I work down in Fort Myers at NBC, too. So I've got to ask you about your hometown and just what you have to say to all your friends, family, and those you supported uh, or supported you back in Immokalee. Well, you know, anytime Immokalee, that's a special place in anywhere in Southwest Florida. You know, that's always home and it'll forever be home. And I'm just an example that is possible, you know, just going through everything that I went through, a, a lot of guys that's there, a lot of people that's growing up there, you know, this is just another example that, you know, it's possible, especially if you're playing sports, you're putting all that hard work in and it pays off. Thank you. Thanks. Bob Kravitz. Hey, Edge, Bob Kravitz with The Athletic. I'm going I'm to ask you, uh, Peyton, the same question, but what, when you look back at your time with Peyton, what, what's, what struck you about him? What made him special? And I'll ask him the same question about you later. Uh, the thing about Peyton is that, you know, Peyton, he was always serious about his craft. He was into his craft. And, you know, you, you see somebody that, that loves it and commits to it, you, you can only expect great things. You know, if you, like, even when you, like, I, I remember times when we would go to Peyton's house and he would have the same equipment that we just left the facility with. You know, so he was totally committed to the game. And that's one thing that always stood out. And when you see somebody that's into it as much as he's into it, you can only appreciate everything that he's done and expect nothing but great things. Thanks, Bob. Thank Jim you. This is Jim Aiello with the Indianapolis Star. Edge, I was just curious. You I think you wrote in your Players Tribune story. You just wanted. You were happy. You you did it your way. Why why did it mean so much to kind of do do things your way in the NFL? I just think it's 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 one of those things where everybody try to try to mimic something else, or everybody trying to figure this thing out, and you know, and, and they kind of get away from who they are. And for me, you know, I, I realized that I realized that you can be yourself and still accomplish all the things you want to accomplish. 
So that was very important to me because I didn't have to really step outside of myself. I didn't have to put on no funny face or had to dread going to work or dread being around somebody. You know, I could always be myself. And that's that's very important. I think if more people be themselves, you know, I think you'll find a uh, you'll find happier people. Thanks, Jim. Raphael Haynes. Hey, what's going on, Edge? It's Raphael Haynes with the three-point conversion. Um actually got a chance to see you at the hoop scene, man. I watched your son play in Georgia. Spoke to you a little bit um, a month ago. But, um, yeah, I wanted to talk about when you first came into the league, as you mentioned, you know, came in with the rocking the golds. You had the dreads. You were yourself. But you were one of the smartest players in the league. And Peyton's talk about that. Other players talk about that. So I wanted to ask you, how does it feel knowing you have so many greats speak so highly of you? And then were there any running backs that you looked up to coming into the NFL? Well, you always appreciate when your peers speak highly of you. You know, you're just being yourself and you're doing doing the things that you're supposed to do or the thing that you deem is right. So you respect that and you, you always appreciate when your peers, but it's a competitive world and everybody's competing on some, in some shape or form. So it, it means a lot when your peers respect you. And as far as anybody that I look up to, you know, I, you know, I, I study all the running backs and look at the running backs, but my all-time favorite was always Walter Payton because you know, he was always, he was tough, you know, and he, he did everything effortless, you know, so that's one thing that I always appreciate about Walter Payton and his style. Thanks, Raphael. Derek Kopp? Hey, Edge, Derek Kopp with uh, ABC NBC here in Fort Myers. Uh, Want to talk to you a little bit more about kind of where it all started and stuff. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on the hall. Uh, Another guy down here that got into the hall was Deion Sanders, obviously another two, three, nine guy. I just wanted to know if you had uh, any relationship with Deion, talk to him about this experience and just kind of what's it say about the two, three, nine talent, sometimes a little overlooked to get two guys in the hall. Uh, oh yeah. Um, two, three, nine, you know, it has, it has so much talent over there. You know, it's just a matter of time. You're going to see more and more guys coming up out there, you know, and as far as Deion, Deion has always been somewhat like a mentor. Because if you grow up in Southwest Florida, you know, everybody knows Deion is, is the one that started everything around the force. So he's somebody that you can always look up to and somebody you can always seek advice or anything. And, you know, the relationship, you know, is it, it'll always be there because we're coming from the 239 area. And as far as talking about things, you know, if, it's any, if I ever have a question or anything, it's just easy to pick up the phone and, and call. Now, right now, you know, when he's over at um, Jackson State and we – we got a couple of kids that I actually had out here that I was in training that actually playing over there. So the relationship and I mean the two through nine connection remains intact. Thank you. Chris Daly. Hey Edge, uh, congratulations on being inducted in Hall of Fame. And you talked about Jim Ursay and what he means to you. And despite not being on the Super Bowl team at the time, he's still sitting over a Super Bowl ring. So what was your initial reaction when you got that ring? And just what does the Colts organization mean to you? Well, the, um, the the reaction when you get the ring, you know, I'm really easy going and pretty easy to get, but it's, it's you know, you, you respect it. You know, you respect it and you appreciate it because, you know, they don't have to do something like that. And for me, you know, I was still part of that team. You know, it's just business is business. And once you understand the business, you'll, you'll go about your business uh, a certain way. And I've always went about my business in a business manner, you know. And as far as the coach organization, you know, that's that's home. That's home base. You know, that's the one that brought me in. And to this day, you know, uh, you know, we're family. You know, I, I'm so comfortable with that organization. 
Thanks, Chris. Next up, Jake Malik. Hey, Edge, congratulations. Uh, I, I love that we've got to talk a lot about Peyton, and I'm sure it means a lot to you being inducted uh, at the same time as your former teammate. So I don't want to get into that, though. I want to ask you, you guys kind of blossomed into your own all together at the same time, being coming in the league basically the exact same time. Just talk about not only what it means to be coming in with him, but more importantly, what it was like to grow together as, as players. I think that's the beauty of, of the overall thing. You know, when I went to the Indianapolis Colts, it, was, it wasn't like I was going to this big-time team. You know, I went to it – was, it was a team that was 3-13. and 13. I didn't know much about the team or the organization, but I knew they had just got Peyton, and Peyton had just went through his rookie year. But as soon as I got there, we, we connected. We connected, and we just went to work. And the hard work that we put in, it just started showing. And it probably showed faster than we expected or anybody anticipated. But that's when the right pieces are put together. You know, it shows. And, you know, the to be able to go into the hall with Peyton and watch everything kind of kind of develop or uh, turn into what it's turned into, that's, that's, that's a beautiful sight. You know, it's something that, you know, I think any player would, would appreciate and look forward to because of the fact that we know from day one, this wasn't this wasn't a popular situation from the beginning. You know, I came in up on the controversy. The team wasn't wasn't just killing it, you know, but we just put our heads down and came together and worked hard. Thanks, Jake. Next up, Darren Urban. Hey, Edge. Uh, Darren Urban from azcardinals.com. Good to see you again. Um, I know your time with the Cardinals isn't the big part of your career, but I'm wondering what you remember about it and what your biggest memories are of your time with the Cardinals. Uh, I, I can't say it's, it's my time with the Cardinals wasn't big time to me because I enjoyed my time with the Cardinals. You know, the, the thing about going to the Cardinals and the thing that I appreciate the most is a lot of people would, wouldn't have took that chance and went to a team that, wasn't doing well or, you know, it's a high-risk situation. But I, I take pride in the decision that I made and knowing that, you know, we turned that program around. You know, we took that team to the Super Bowl. We took that organization to the Super Bowl. You know, I don't think nobody anticipated that. But when you look at everything the Cardinals organization had in place, you know, it was an easy decision for myself. And I always appreciate Mr. Bidwell, Rod Graves, and all those guys out there because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that was easy, but we, everybody came together. You know, we came together and we actually, we was, we was very close to winning the Super Bowl. You know, so that right there, that means a lot to, to leave a situation that, you know, you're having consistent winning seasons and going to a situation where, you know, it wasn't known for winning and turn that program around. So I appreciate that that part about going to Arizona. Thanks, Edge. Paul Gant. Edge, congratulations on making the Hall of Fame. Paul Gant, go for radio here. Um, talking about your career, when did you realize that you did enough to become a Hall of Famer? Um, I just think when you when you look at it, it, it depends on what you're, what you're judging, you know what I'm saying? Like, the thing that we don't get credit for as, as a back is, is all the, the blocking and stuff that we do. But far as numerically, you know, it's it's a no-brainer because of the fact that, you know, if you're going to go based on yards, that's one thing. You're gonna, if you're going to be on rushing yards, like I did everything that you could possibly do, you know. So it's 
it's just a matter of time. You know, when you start looking at, you start getting at 12,000 yards and you start, you know, looking at all the different things that you've accomplished, it's hard not to, you know, it's hard to go against it, you know, because you look at guys that are actually in there and you, you have better stats than them, but it's like, what are we judging? That's the thing about the process. You really don't know what are we judging and, you know, what is the, what, like, what, what makes you a Hall of Famer, you know, for us statistically, you know, I checked all the boxes, and so it was It was never a thing of would I get in. In my mind, it was just a matter of when. Thank you. Charlie Clifford. Edge, congrats. We know how much Mr. Ursay loves you. What's it been like behind the scenes since you got the news that you were going in, you picked him? What What has he said to you in the last few months? Oh, man, Mr. Ursay always – have good cool conversations and we, we keep that between us you know we always keep, we keep everything you know in-house like we've always done but the relationship is intact and everything is everything is good and you know we look forward to that day we look forward to um meeting up in camp do you have any do you have any expectations about what he may say nah i i just know um it's gonna be pure and he's going to be real, you know. That's the thing that, that I appreciate the most about it. You know, he's going to be open and honest, and that's the that's the beauty of it. You know, he always and Mr. Hurston, he's always been himself. You know, and that's that's one connection that we have. Thanks, Charlie. Mike Moore. Hey, Edwin, how you doing? This is uh, Mike Moore with 07960 Sports, but I'm reporting for Sports Cows, man. I just wanted to say congratulations to you. And um, my question to you is, man, besides uh, the hard work and dedication that uh, you put in in your career, how do you think getting drafted to the right situation, the right team, the right fit uh, played into your success? Um, well, you know, that, that's, that's part of the organization's job. You know, as a player, you just, you know, you come in and you, you put your talents on display. And if you have the right people in place, they'll put it together. And for for, the, for that organization, you know, I was the, the the piece that was missing, so to speak, at that time. So it all it all came together. Not only that, it takes the players to actually buy into it and actually get along and mesh. And that's that's kind of rare that you get guys that come in and mesh the way that we mesh because you know one could affect the other and if one of us was not on the same page or one of us didn't buy into it I don't think we would have had the success that we had very true man I appreciate your answer thank you BJ Vernon Husky Congratulations, Edrin, uh, on making the Pro Football Hall of Fame. B.J. Vernon Husky from Vestas Sports. Uh, simple question. When you came into the league as a rookie, you led the league in carries and yards. The transition is normally a little harder for running backs sometimes because they got to learn to pick up blitzes. You were a very smart guy. But then you started kind of a train of guys before you, Alonzo Highsmith and, um, and O.J. Anderson, but Gore, Portis, McGahee. Can you just talk about how you were able to transition position to the NFL so seamlessly and they kind of set it up for those other three backs coming behind you to kind of do the same thing. I, I think it starts with your, um, the college program. You know, it was, we all, uh, I, I came up on the Bush Davis and Bush Davis was, uh, you know, he had been with the Dallas Cowboys. So we, we was practicing like the pros before 
we even got to the pros. You know, we had our, we had the same schedule, similar to the way the Cowboys kind of ran their stuff. And we all, all of us come up under the same running backs coach. Our running backs coach, he, he made it a point of emphasis that you couldn't block, you couldn't play. So everybody had to learn how to block and you had to take an interest in block versus just being out there doing it. And I think that's the thing that, that translated into the NFL because a lot of guys, when they get to the NFL, they, they really don't know how to pass pro because they usually don't have to. But we had to at the University of Miami. And so when I got to the Indianapolis Colts, that was it, was it was second nature for me. And I think that's what happened with the rest of the guys that came behind me. Thank you very much, sir. Quentin Congress. Hey, Edge, how you doing? Congrats on the Hall of Fame. Hey, how you doing? Thanks. I appreciate that. All right. So what was your memories of Tony Dungy and how did he help you transform as a player as well as mature as a man? And also, do you have a funny Tony Dungy story? Well, I'm not good with stories, so I don't have a story. But, you know, as, as a coach, you appreciate a person that, that treats you like a man, you know, especially when everybody gets grown and everybody's kind of have their families and everything. You know, and then you're in this business, it's, it's a it's a cold business when it's cold, you know. And it's one of those things where you have a coach that, you know, respects your personal life, respects privacy. And Coach Dungy's number one thing was family first. If you have a family emergency or you have something going on, you know, make sure you see about that. And that's very rare because you have other people's jobs on the line. Or you have somebody that really takes into you and your your family and the things you have going on personally, you have just another level of respect for them. And I think that's where Coach Dungy, he kind of separated himself from a lot of coaches because of the fact that he had been a former player and he knew the importance of family. He knew, he knew people, you know, players actually have stuff going on. So you got to appreciate somebody that treats you like a man, not somebody that treats you like a worker. Um, we're going to have time for two more questions. Ronnie Hennigan. Hey, Edge, man, thanks for taking my question, and congrats once again and getting to the Hall of Fame, man. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. Question I have for you is this simply, um, what is your most memorable moment as a running back in the NFL, regardless of which team it was? Um, I have so many, have so many memories as just, just playing the game because, you know, you, you know, one – is not too much bigger than the other because of the fact that it's so many of them and you appreciate every time, like I appreciate every time I was able to put that ball in my hand and actually do do what I was blessed to do. So I don't really have one time or any particular memory because it's, it's so many of them. But for me, just, just the fact that I'm able to be in the NFL and play the same game that I, was, that I started playing as a youth football player, you know, that's the thing that stands out the most that I, I was able to continue and keep it in going. Last question is going to go to Fago Franklin. Hey, how you doing, EJ? What's happening, man? Not much, man. Congratulations on everything. Um, you have done a lot in your community. What does it mean to you that you had a positive influence on the youth? Oh, uh, it means it means a lot. You know, I grew up in I grew up in Immokalee and you know, and we have four guys that's in the pros right now and all those guys have actually attended my camps you know so those are things that that stand out and those things are are very important because you know when you, when you come from certain places all you need is a little motivation and that motivation it could be just somebody that's that you see on television or somebody that you see on a poster just just walking 
by you saying hi or just showing you that it's possible. So I make sure that I make a point of emphasis to to always be out and about and always in the community, actually showing these kids because you you'd be amazed at how many kids' lives you save, you know, just by being present. And I, I don't take that lightly. And I, I try to make sure I do my part and hopefully it encourages others to do their part. That was Edrin James sitting on the doorstep of enshrinement to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mentioned our very own Mike Chappell earlier, who you hear week after week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast as the presenter of the Colts to the Hall of Fame committee, one of the voters on that committee. Uh, Mike, in our last Colts Blue Zone podcast, gave just a quick uh, description of of his take on these two going in to the Hall of Fame together. Um, Mike has obviously been covering the Colts ever since the Mayflower Vans pulled in to Indianapolis with various media outlets, the Dean of Colts reporting. And uh, Mike, when asked about these two going in to the Hall of Fame, he will be there alongside, well, not alongside them, he will be there as a covering member of the media. But here's what Mike had to say about Peyton Manning and Edger and James' immediate future joining the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, from doing this as long as I have, you know, I, I was I was here from the start with Peyton, and I and I still remember he he's one of the most unique people I've ever been around. How his mind operates, I still remember talking me. There was about twenty of us talking to him at the combine, and we got him up against a the Louisiana street bar was right there and we had him up against the bar and they were like, you know, we circled him and we talked for 15, 20 minutes. And then that was it. And then I went to his, uh, personal workout with the Colts in Knoxville and I'm walking through the hallway. I don't see the workout, but I'm waiting to talk to the Colts and there's Jim Moore and Bill Pullian and Tom Moore and Tom Conn the agent and Peyton. And we just, we pass each other in the hallway. He says, how you doing, Mike? And I'm thinking, how in the heck do you know me? But that's how he was wired. He wants to know the people. And it's just amazing when you think about what how the Colts evolved with Manning. Bill Polian's first pick was Peyton Manning. And the second year, his first pick was Edgar James. And we, we could do an entire show on what happens, what would have happened if it was Ryan Leaf and Ricky Williams we would be having this podcast talking about something else because I could make a strong case that there might not be a team here had, had that not gone the right way. So uh, I know some people in the organization don't like to put it all on Peyton's shoulders, but most of it was on Peyton's shoulders. There's a statue outside the stadium for crying out loud. They don't do that for everybody. It'll be a special weekend. What I like about it is, We'll get there, and you can kind of you're down on the the field or the floor where the ceremony is, and there's all these former Colts. I mean, you know, Reggie will be there, and Marvin will be there, and Tony Dungy, and Terry Glenn will be there, and Mathis and Freeney probably. So you get a chance. I, I talked with Bob Sanders a couple of years ago when when uh, Dungy and, and and Marvin went in. It's really cool to get caught up with guys on how they're doing. And like like Edron said, you know we got a two for one this weekend, so it it'll be cool and and uh, just looking forward to it. So all of us cannot wait to see some Colts legends put on gold jackets this weekend in Canton, taking their place among the game's elite. The Pro Football Hall of Fame will welcome in two Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning and Edron James. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone throughout the weekend and heck throughout training camp of the season for Colts updates. Uh, you can follow me at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chapel is at M Chapel 51. Our fearless producer, Joe Hopkins, is at Roto Street Joe. So we thank you for listening to this bonus episode of the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we will see you next time.